We have two wonderful stories here in the readings today, one from the Acts of the Apostles, the other from the Gospel of John. And two of them can be related. So one is when you read in the Acts of the Apostles, you read about the Apostles, they're preaching about Jesus. They're not afraid to preach about Jesus. And they're being called in by the Sanhedrin. Those are the judges of Israel. And they're telling them not to preach about Jesus. They're threatening them. And then the Sanhedrin has a council with Gamaliel, who speaks to the Sanhedrin and says, basically, if this is not from God, then it's just going to die out on itself. If it is from God, then you might be fighting God himself. And then they flog the apostles. They scourge the apostles, much as Jesus was scourged. But only their scourging was different. It was 39 lashes less one. Why? Because they were tried by the Sanhedrin. Jesus' scourging did not have 39 lashes because he was tried by Pilate. So the Roman scourging had no number to it. So Jesus' scourging was much worse than the apostles. The apostles, it was, it was probably just regular scourges, whips, that they were whipped. And then the apostles, after their scourge, they rejoice. They rejoice in their sufferings, that they have been, that they have been found worthy to suffer for the name of Jesus. See all this story? What happened to the apostles? You ever think of, these were the same apostles at the Garden of Gethsemane that ran away from Jesus. These were the same apostles where one betrayed Jesus, where the, the first pope denied Jesus, Peter. He was the first pope. And he was scared, and the apostles were scared. And you see them when Jesus appears to them on Easter Sunday. They're scared. The doors are locked. They're afraid of being tried by the Sanhedrin. They're afraid of dying. What happened to the apostles from that time to the Acts of the Apostles? What happened that they're not afraid? They're not afraid to preach. They're not afraid to suffer for Jesus. They're living the Beatitudes. Blessed are those who are persecuted, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when men insult you, and they ostracize you, and they utter all kinds of blasphemies against you because of my name. On that day, rejoice and be glad, for your reward will be great in heaven. That's the last beatitude. And the apostles are rejoicing because they're suffering for the name of Jesus. What happened in between the agony in the garden and this story that we have of the Acts of the Apostles, of the apostles being flogged? What happened? There was one thing that made the difference. The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit makes all the difference in our spiritual life. You cannot be holy without the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not spoken of enough in the Catholic Church. He needs to be spoken of more because he's God. The Holy Spirit is God. We speak about God here. That's what we're about. That's why you attend the live stream or you're here. Because you want to hear about God. You don't want to hear me talking about the hockey game. I could talk about the ice hockey game that I watched last night. 
I'm not going to talk about the ice hockey game because that would be a different converse, conversation. We're in church. We talk about God. And so the third, so a lot of times we focus on the second person of the Holy Trinity, Jesus. But we also need to focus on the third person of the Holy Trinity and the first person of the Holy Trinity, the Father. And so the Holy Spirit made the difference. Notice Jesus was with the apostles for three and a half years. They saw miracles, signs, wonders. And it was like it didn't, it didn't hit them. <laughs> yeah, it was like it didn't transform them, even though they saw, they saw these signs and wonders. What eventually transformed the apostles was the power of the Holy Spirit. Once the Holy Spirit came down, they were different. They were different inside. And Jesus was not physically present with them. And yet they were different. They were willing to suffer for Jesus. They were willing to preach Jesus. They were willing to teach. And the, and the word witness that we have in Greek is the word martyrium, which is the word that we get for martyr. A martyr is a, is a person who witnesses to Jesus, who's willing to suffer for the name of Jesus. And the apostles were willing to suffer for the name of Jesus. The Holy Spirit makes all the difference in the world. That's why I always tell, I've been telling uh, our prayer group that we have here, call on the Holy Spirit. Constantly pray to the Holy Spirit. So in this time of the Easter season, between Jesus' resurrection and Pentecost, it's a time of preparation for the Holy Spirit. So we need to pray the Holy Spirit. We need to invoke the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will make difference in our life through his gifts, through his presence. The Holy Spirit makes a big difference in our life. So call on the Holy Spirit. What's one way of receiving the Holy Spirit? It's actually what we're doing here in the Mass, the Eucharist. You might say, well, wait a minute, Father, I thought the Eucharist was the body and blood of Jesus Christ. It is. It is the body and blood of Jesus Christ. Well, how could you say we're receiving the Holy Spirit? See, because when you receive the body and blood of Christ, and there's a physical substance of bread that's in there, that that substance eventually dissolves in your system. And what does Jesus leave you with? His Spirit, the Holy Spirit. So you do receive the Holy Spirit kind of indirectly when you receive Holy Communion. And this is what John talks about in his gospel today. He, he's, John is recalling events. So John is writing this much later in his life. This is after Pentecost. And John is, is picking miracle story signs that Jesus did during his life. And he's constructing his gospel in a certain way. And so he puts the story about the miracle of the loaves and the fish in here. And he says that the Passover was near. What's the Passover? What's he recalling about the Passover? Well, he's recalling the unleavened bread that the, the, the Jews would celebrate with for seven days. But also he's recalling Holy Thursday night where Jesus took the unleavened bread and the wine and he said, this is my body, this is my blood which will be given for you or poured out for you. 
And then he says, do this in remembrance of me. And he was referring also when he did that to his passion, to his pouring out of himself on the cross, his five wounds on the cross. So isn't it interesting that we receive Jesus' body and blood through his fountains of grace through the five wounds? And how many loaves are there? Five here. You see the connection? There's five barley loaves. There's five wounds on the cross. Jesus is the one who's, he's giving thanksgiving. He, he takes the loaves, he gives thanks, and he distributes them. That's exactly what he did on Thursday night. He took the loaves, he gave thanks. The word to give thanks in Greek, because John was originally written in Greek, is the word Eucharist. Eucharistion. So when it says Jesus gave thanks, if you were to read this in Greek, you would read Jesus gave Eucharist. Here, that's where we get the word Eucharist. It's not just a word that the Catholic Church made up. It's a word actually from the original gospel in Greek. And so what Jesus does with this miracle of those also conforms with the Eucharist. And so he takes these five barley loaves symbol of his five wounds and he gives himself he gives these five barley loaves to the people symbol of Jesus giving his body for us his body and blood and the Eucharist and then it's interesting that there's two fish that are there also two pieces of fish and they're also distributed and the people receive the fish why is this significant? Again, John is writing this years later when Christians are under persecution. And the symbol, one of the symbols for Christianity when, when it became illegal and Christians wanted to identify each other as Christians, but they, but they wouldn't tell each other that, that say, hey, I'm a Christian because they could be arrested. So you know what they would do? They would draw on the sand a sign of a fish. They would draw what looks like a fish, you know, how we draw fish today, and they would do the same thing. Why would they draw the fish? Well, first of all, it could refer to this gospel of the two fish. But also the, the first letters in Greek, which was spoken at that time, first letters for the word Christ, which means Messiah, Christ, the first letters are C-H-R, and if you draw a fish, it looks like the, the first three letters of the Greek word Christ. So that was their symbol that they were a Christian because they were actually doing the first three letters of Christ, but it looked like a fish. So it was a hidden symbol of a fish that also represented that they were Christians. So here, here we have something that's deep, it's showing that Christians identify with the fish symbol, identify themselves with the Messiah. Why is there two fish here? It could symbolize a couple of things. One, it could symbolize the body of Christ and the blood of Christ. It could also symbolize the divinity of Christ and the humanity of Christ. And you might say, Father, which one is it? It could be both. A lot of times in Western culture, we want one symbol to only represent one thing. I like the Native American culture, 
where you can have a symbol that can represent thousands of different things, like the Aztec culture, where it just doesn't want, represent one, you know, one symbolism. It can represent many, like the dress of Our Lady of Guadalupe, the tilma. Can those symbols can represent diff many different things. And so these symbols here also take us to the incarnation, the body and blood of Christ, his divinity, his humanity. And where does Christ give us his body and blood, his divinity and humanity? In the Eucharist. It's in the Eucharist. Christ is the first one who gives his body and blood on Holy Thursday, on Good Friday. And then after he rises from the dead, how is the presence of Christ there with the apostles? It's there in the breaking of the bread. When Jesus appears to the two disciples of Emmaus, they recognize him in the breaking of the bread. And then in the Acts of the Apostles, it says that they, that they performed the breaking of the bread, that they were celebrating the Eucharist where Jesus could be made present. And so the apostles continue what Jesus continued. How do we know that in John's gospel? How, how do we know that, that the apostles are continuing? Because the fragments of the bread that they collect, how many wicker baskets do they fill up? Twelve. How many apostles are there? Twelve. You see, John, John is doing a lot of things with numbers here. He's doing a lot of symbols with numbers. Because you have the fragments left over of just the bread, not the fish, because the fish would stink if you had leftover fish. You know, they didn't have refrigeration back then, so they didn't collect the fish. It was only the loaves, symbol of the Eucharist, and they collect 12 wicker baskets, one for each of the apostles. And that it was a symbol that the apostles would continue what Jesus just did to take the loaves, to give thanks, and then to distribute them to the faithful. And the apostles would pass that down from one generation to another through apostolic succession, all the way here to 2023 at the National Shrine of Divine Mercy in Stockbridge, Massachusetts, where you have a priest who's going to do the same thing as the apostles. Take bread and said the, say the blessing, give thanks, the prayers, and then distribute the Eucharist to the faithful. That is where Jesus is truly present with us. You cannot get closer to heaven than with the Eucharist. The closest to heaven that you can get on this earth is the Eucharist. When you are in the presence of the Eucharist, that's the closest to heaven that you can get. And that's the closest you can be with all your relatives who have passed before you is the Eucharist. When you are in the presence of the Eucharist and you receive the Eucharist, you have God within you. You have the Son of God within you. And as I said, when the Son of God, when the fragments digest, then you have the third person of the Holy Trinity with you. The Holy Spirit. You take the Holy Spirit with you. So these are wonderful gifts that God gives us today. And the Eucharist was, was, was strengthening the, the apostles to witness to Jesus. To witness to Jesus 
and even to suffer for the sake of the name of Jesus. You need the Eucharist to sustain you and nourish you. You need the Holy Spirit to help you. You need God the Father with his grace to help you to witness to Jesus. And then on a higher level, not just a witness, but even being willing to suffer for the sake of the name of Jesus. It's a grace that we can receive. And it's a, it's a grace that we can pray for, not to be afraid, not to be afraid to witness to the person of Jesus, even if it means suffering in our lives. And so this is good news today. I'd rather be talking about this than the hockey game last night. Even though I like talking about hockey games, I'd rather be talking to you about the love of Jesus, the goodness of Jesus, the goodness of God, the grace and power of the Holy Spirit, the apostles, the wonders that they do in the Acts of the Apostles, this good news that has been passed on to us and the Eucharist that we're going to receive today in Holy Communion. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endures forever. Hello, I'm Father Thaddeus Langton of the Marian Fathers of the Immaculate Conception, and I'm excited to let you know about my new podcast with Father Timothy Childers called Keeping It Marian. To access the podcast, simply visit divinemercyplus.org or search Keeping It Marian on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or on whatever podcast platform you prefer. I want to share with you the riches of the charism of the Marian Fathers, which is the mystery of the Immaculate Conception, how it touches our lives as consecrated priests and religious, and how this mystery can bear fruit in your life, especially by keeping the Word of God and pondering it in our hearts in imitation of our Blessed Mother. I hope you'll join us. Again, it's called Keeping It Marian. Thank you, and God bless you. Please follow or subscribe to this podcast to receive the latest episodes and updates. If you have been blessed by this podcast, I invite you to leave a review. Reviews greatly improve our podcast ranking and will help spread this podcast to other people throughout the world. Are you enjoying this podcast? I invite you to listen to more shows brought to you by the Marian Fathers of the Immaculate Conception. Join us daily for enriching spiritual content, which will help you on your journey with Jesus Christ. Simply visit divinemercyplus.org for a complete list of our shows. That's divinemercyplus.org. Are you a Marian helper? Join our Spiritual Benefit Society and start sharing in the graces of all the daily Masses, prayers, and good works of Marian priests and brothers all over the world. Sign up is free and easy. Simply visit micprayers.org. That's micprayers.org. Thank you, and God bless you.